L-A-S. The LAS Podcast Network is an independent network of local creators based in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. Friends with Marketing Benefits is brought to you by... Hey, I'm Jake Trumper. And I'm Alex Schulte. And together, we're historically historically inaccurate. And you can learn history with us because I'm kind of an expert. I'm not sure if expert's the word I would use. No, I'm ready to teach people history because, like, uh, ask me to name every president. But I know you can't. No, just ask me. I don't want to hear you do that again. John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, uh, James Madison, James Monroe, John Quincy Adams, Andrew Jackson. So we're a brand new podcast distributed by the LAS Podcast Network in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. New episodes every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you can find your podcasts. Jake, are you still going? Jake, just fast fast forward to the end. We are literally running out of time. Did you literally forget the president who is right now, Joe Biden? Joe Biden! I did it. I was in in my groove. Come and learn with us, everybody. Well, it's still kind of me. I'm I'm kind of doing most of the You couldn't even remember Joe Biden's name. I'm doing most of the teaching. It's mostly you. Thank you. (laughs) L-A-S. Well, good morning, everybody. Logan Adam Schultz here, guiding you in to a new episode of Friends with Marketing Benefits. Hope you're doing well. It's bright and early on a Friday morning here. And uh, Alex Schulte here as well. He's running the board. He'll be here in just a moment. And I'm sitting across from two incredible friends who have some marketing benefits to share. It's Jason Wright and Tara Templeman from the History Center. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Thank you for having us on. It's such a pleasure to see you both. Bright and shining faces. Clearly you operate a little bit earlier than we do. Um, but it's it's wonderful to see you. You've got coffee in hand. Well, you know, it's not these, the faces that are that are shining. It's the coffee shining through the faces. At That's right. That's right. I like it. Well, we're so happy to have you here as part of the History Center Presents LAS History Week. Thank you for partnering with us on an entire week of history-themed episodes here at the LAS Podcast Network. Um, you, one of the two of you, has been on every single podcast we have to offer this week. <laughs> That's kind of amazing, and we're grateful that you're giving us this kind of kind of FaceTime in front of people. It has been so much fun to have you. This is actually the last episode that we're recording for Transparency, although this episode will air on Tuesday of History Week. Um, but just to plug this in really quickly... You both are fantastic. Um, you've brought really unique energy to our shows. Um, everybody should go and check those out. There's there's root beer drinking that happened on Alex's show, One Word Stories. Hi, Alex. Hi. For the record, I have not enjoyed any of, of this <laughs> week. loser boy. With them, it has been all painful. Um, no joy. <laughs> no, seriously. Thanks, pal. I, I like how no one it just got quiet after I said that. Um <laughs> I, it has been a a delight to to have you on all of the shows. Where's my there's my headphones? Yeah, you're number four this time. I'm all turned around. It's weird to like be the music person and then come in and start talking and be like, where where what were we just talking about? I can't even yeah, remember now. Usually we have a producer that's outside of the room, kind of running running the show. But um, we really wanted to find a time where we could get both of you in because the history center has a really 
<laughs> unique history as an organization. <laughs> I know, I know. As soon as I, I felt it coming out, it was, it was good. We were there. It's uh, uh, 8.50 in the morning. And That's we already right. dropped that bomb. Thank you, pal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all jokes aside, it is true. This organization has kind of been a little bit all over the place. And so um, <laughs> from a marketing standpoint, I think there's a really unique story there that we can discuss around the the perception that this organization has kind of worked through and and where you've been able to take it in the last few years in particular. So um, we're excited to chat with you. We're going to chat about all that. We'll talk about some memberships. We'll talk about some events that you have coming up. And let's start there because LAS History Week presented by the History Center is all leading up towards two pretty incredible events at the History Center this coming weekend. Can you tell us a little bit about those? So we have a speakeasy lawn party coming up on July 2nd in the evening. Uh, Elizabeth Von Presley will be headlining that event for us, and that is to help us promote our new exhibit called Spirited Prohibition in America, all about when it was illegal to manufacture, sell, um, or transport alcohol in the United States. And then the very next day, we have another event, our Root Beer Festival, from 1 to 4 p.m. on July 3rd. And you can pre-purchase your tickets for that. Or if you come the day of and you have your Freedom Festival button, you will get a dollar off your admission. The Elizabeth von Presley uh, event, the Speakeasy Lawn Party, um, is is the History Center doesn't do anything normal. Um, and so <laughs> what we have done is we have asked uh, Ms. von Presley to create an entire flapper show because it's the Roaring Twenties, right? Yeah, that's awesome. And that's when the speakeasies were taking place. So she is diving into a genre that she has she has said stated that she has never experienced before, and she's having so much fun. The giggle in her voice as she's talking about this is infectious. <laughs> so she's going to do this whole flappers show. At the same time, we've hired... Uh, Okay, what does this have to do with history? I don't know. Uh, but it's, <laughs> we've hired um, four uh, circus performers. Expect to see contortionists, sword swallowers, flamethrowers, whatever. They're creating history. Creating we could be, and the, thank God the fire department is right next door. Yes, <laughs> um, that's right. <laughs> but um, for your admission, um, you get two bands. You get not only Elizabeth Von Presley, but um, uh, there's another band that, that, that is going to warm up with her. The, the Deep uh, Dish Divas. Yes, ma'am. And then you get the entertainment of, of those two bands. You get the uh, the the, the, the um, circus performers, you get to go in and experience this unbelievable exhibit. But you also get all the food you can eat and uh, two, fr- two drink tickets. Now, the, the, the price may seem a little pricey, but for all that, 75 bucks, it's a great way to support the History Center. And guaranteed, you're going to have an amazing time kicking off this Independence Day weekend. Absolutely. I mean, you'd spend that just going to a show, getting dinner, you know, whatever that looks like. And now you're putting it towards something that's really unique and really benefits your community. Most of our events, people come away saying, I can't believe that was the History Center. And that's <laughs> what we're for. That's what we're all about. My phrase that I, that I use for the uh, staff is... Everything we do needs to leap out of the gate. It cannot limp out of the gate. And I am so proud of this amazing team because when you take a look at the programming we're doing, people are so wowed by it. Everything we do, everything from uh, the two events you've mentioned to uh, the... the (laughs) We roast, well, I should say, we throw funerals for people that are not quite dead yet. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and we it's a celebrity roast of, of, of in the in the style of a funeral. Again, we had 
people there that had never experienced anything the History Center did and said, this is so amazing. That's what we're about. That's part of the marketing of this thing. I think I saw you had one roast uh, with friend of the show, Steve Schreiber. That was right? it. That was a great one. Very cool. I was musical guest for the roast of Dale Todd. Which was extraordinary. They were, that was hilarious. Adam Witte had some uh, amazing material written for that roast. And, and David Martino. I mean, just top to bottom. We do things extremely well, and that's the that's part of our part of our strategic plan, is that we do not do anything unless it's going to completely make people's jaws drop. Let's dive into that just a little bit. You said that one of the things that people walk away from your events saying is they can't believe it was the History Center. Um, the History Center. We've talked about this quite a bit, and um, Jason, when you came onto the History Center, the um, the job that you were tasked with. Um, but the History Center has had a few different lives. Let's take, let's talk about this very, very large white elephant in the, in, in, in the room here. <laughs> this is the show to talk about it. Um, the History Center has been around for about 50-something years. And uh, in those years, it's been mostly, mostly volunteer-driven. But then in the late 90s, um, professional staff came on. And uh, the building in which we were, which was this Quonset Hut firebomb thing that was on 8th Avenue and 2nd Street in downtown Cedar Rapids, um, they decided to buy an old Chevrolet dealership and turn it into a, into a new place. Um, great idea. Concept. We all know that space on 1st Avenue. Um, really unique. Really, really yeah, unique. Hard to miss. Um, and some people love it. Some people hate it. Um, one person told me it looks like the Jetsons is melting into 1945 Berlin. <laughs> uh, so uh, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, they had to raise X number of dollars to get that building redone. And then they were also going for more money because they wanted an endowment. Because the endowment then, they would live off the interest of that to help pay for the care and feeding of that building. Because as we all know, buildings are expensive. We're right here in this beautiful building in which TCR lives. Their care in this feeding of this building has got to be enormous. We wanted to be prepared for that. Unfortunately, the organization didn't raise all the money they needed for the renovations, which means they raised zero for the endowment. So rather than having no mortgage and income, they had a mortgage and no income. Mm. So by 2006, we had to shut our doors. And everybody seems to remember that. We were the poster child of how not to do business. And that stuck with us for a while. Twice the community had to bail us out. Once was to get us just so we were back opening our doors again, then once to burn our mortgage. It was not a pretty time. And uh, this organization continued to struggle, never seemed to get its legs underneath it. And then in 2014, and, and, and there was some significant gifts that were given, but the organization were living off them. In other words, they were not breaking even or making money. And even though we're called nonprofit, that is a misnomer. That is what every right. business has to make a profit, and this business wasn't. The board took one look at where they were in 2014, and they said, if we don't do something, we're going to be gone again, and the, this community is not going to save us a third time. Right. So they decided to do one thing, change everything. <laughs> they sold that First Avenue building. They 
purchased this unbelievable mansion that everybody remembers as the Turner Mortuary. Mm-hmm. It's originally right. built by the Douglas family. Douglas Starchworks became Quaker Oats. Uh, swapped with the Sinclairs, who had Bruce Moore. So the Sinclairs moved into the Douglas Mansion, and the Douglases moved into into Bruce Moore. Uh, then the Turners had it. Great history, made perfect sense for a history center. But then we had this public relations problem. Now, this is friends with marketing benefits, but public relations, marketing, and communications, I think, are all wonderfully intertwined. Absolutely. So what we had was a public relations issue. We had to raise... million dollars to redo this building and and that and and add a million dollars to our endowment to pay for the care and feeding of the building with a community that whenever they thought of the most struggling nonprofit organization the first one that came to mind was the history center (laughs) (laughs) so i once had a um a uh, coach uh a just someone I used to go to and say, um, I'm at sea, how do I handle these things? And he once told me, this was long before I was with the History Center, he said, when you're dealing with these kind of public relations issues, you need to take the bullets out of the gun. Mm. Now, I don't mean that to reference anything that's currently happening in our country today, which is, sure. which is scary. But his reference meant that let them know that you know that you know what they know. So I would go out. First of all, I did a feasibility study, and I spoke to 66 leaders in our community, and everyone said, we need a vibrant, healthy, historical society. Great. You need to get your financial act together. And I can't remember the third thing. I'm so sorry. I need another shot of coffee here. But <laughs> all, all good. But, no stress. But... They all raised that you need to be financially stable. And that was their Iowa way of saying, you guys really have screwed up. Mm. So People I, know it. They know it. Yeah. So when I went out with, and so did every one of our board members, I got to tell you, this board was amazing in raising this money. Everybody owned this strategic plan. Um, the first thing we would say is, okay, this is not your old history center. This is how we are going to do business. Everything is going to have a dollar sign on it that's going to somehow bring in revenue. Not to sound mercenary, but we had to prove it. We had a 12-point business plan, sustainable business plan that we put in front of these folks that said, this is basically 180 degrees of how we used to do business. We used to let people in for free, thinking they'll give us donations. They didn't even show up because we devalued what we did. We used to let people into our programs for free. They'll give us money when they're here. They didn't even show up to do so because the v- programs cost $0. Therefore, it was zero value. Everything we do now has a price tag, and we have attendance. We have Our programs are selling out because we value what we do. That's one point in the business plan. We had um, the fact that everybody thinks I'm Mr. History. No. Tara is Ms. History, for, and um, she's the one that knows everything. Her depth and, and breadth of knowledge of history in this community is like none other, and I guarantee that. We've experienced uh, that. I was going to say, listen to some of the other shows uh, on this network this week. You're going to hear Tara um, prove it to you. It, 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 fantastic. It's unbelievable how much 
you have learned over the past year, and I sincerely mean that. I'm the money guy. 80% of my time, I am out of the office. My staff wonders if I even work there because <laughs> I'm out developing relationships. Mine too. <laughs> well, that's a whole different problem. And we've been meaning to have an intervention with you. I've been talking. <laughs> we, had we had one. one. We, had, we one. had one on my show already. Go and listen to that episode of One Word Stories. It's called Time. Parentheses, uh, Alex's Intervention. Alex's Intervention. Yeah. And the good news is that I've been able to go back to each and every one of those donors that provided not the $3.9 million that we needed, but the $4.1 million that we received. Yeah. And tell them, after five years, we have had a cash-positive year-end every single year, which we Fantastic. were- Fantastic. We were bleeding yeah, 75000 Congratulations. A year. Thank you. What and a it, turnaround. And I got to tell you, it is this team that is absolutely killer. It's a board that is so razor-focused on every dollar, every bottom line. I have- I. How many nonprofit organizations? I had four emails today. I had many emails, but four of them were from board members saying, hey, I just talked to so-and-so, and they're thinking about giving this amount. And I just talked to this person. They can't give in 2021, but they're going to give in 2022. And my board members are out there actively because they believe so much in this organization. And they have something to prove. They want to prove that this organization, under their leadership as a board, can be successful and be and be essential to this community and i keep saying and sorry <laughs> this community has proven to me that the history center is essential given the amount of activity we had during the lockdown we served 23,000 people during that time through our video uh, online programming we had more requests for library um, um, uh, uh, research than we've had in years we have had more contributions to our collection in 2020 than you can even – people were, had time. They were emptying their attics with their spectacular sure. artifacts that tell right. a tremendous story. This organization has proved that it is essential by, first, taking the bullets out of the gun, admitting we screwed up. No, we screwed up twice, and we did it really well. But now we're going to show you how we're not going to do it. We're going to show you how to do it. One more point that, that is a point of pride right before the pandemic. I received in less than a month two phone calls from two different nonprofit organizations asking me, how'd you do it? Think about that. In just five years? They weren't looking at us and saying, <laughs> those stupid idiots. Right. They bought a building. Are they nuts? We went from that to... How, how, how did you clowns pull this off? Teach me your ways. Anyway, so that was the public relations, is that we believed that this organization was essential, vital. We believed that we could be much better than we ever were before. And uh, to paraphrase uh, Jim Collins from his book, um, Good to Great, get the right people on the bus, let them do their jobs, and executive director, you know, you bald, bearded, bow-tied bastard, you, get the <laughs> hell out of their way. And I do. It sounds like you're doing everything exactly right, for one. Um, and it's, it's so interesting to see all the success you've had during a pandemic, which is wild. Usually um, businesses that are changing their entire model in that time frame or around it are going to find themselves in a lot of trouble. Do you think the pandemic 
almost helped the History Center in a way that that it gave everyone in the community kind of a a, 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 a chance to step back, take a look through their attics, see that this is a, a real thing that's needed in the community. I'm personally so happy that the pandemic isn't what showed that the History Center can't be here anymore, right? If anything, you're stronger on the other side of this. I think that there are a lot of different types of work that happen in a museum at the same time. So from my perspective on accepting donations, we got some really cool items brought to the History Center during the pandemic, and I'll be able to tell those stories going forward. We also had the opportunity to collect some history as it was happening. So collecting face masks, hand sanitizer, um, photos of people getting their COVID tests, all kinds of history that will be very important. 50 years from now when we go to tell the story of what was happening. And since Jason and the other staff members had done such a good job of promoting the History Center, people felt like it was a safe place to bring their family treasures as they were cleaning out their attics and their basements. Sure. So they felt like we would care for their items, and so they did bring them in. And then on the other side, I think that our staff had the opportunity to try some things we hadn't done before. We all got a lot more comfortable with video editing and Ah, with engaging a community online, which was interesting from a marketing perspective, because usually we are charging for all of our programs. And that is an important part of our model because it proves the value of our programs. So to pivot and release a lot of free programming online was a new experience for us and led us into some really interesting discussions around how to do that sustainably. Um, so it, I, I'm not going to say the pandemic was a great thing, but it Correct. didn't Obviously. hurt us yeah. the same way that it could have if we hadn't been ready to pivot and make some of those changes and try some new things. We've seen so many businesses and nonprofits struggle through the pandemic. And, um, and frankly, as somebody who has a, a healthy experience working with nonprofits, being at a net recovering positive, you're recovering at this point that's yeah. right <laughs> um, operating with a net positive at the end of your fiscal year is not always the case Mm-mm. you're correct that nonprofit does not mean that your organization does not make a profit right your organization still needs to generate revenue and cover your expenses and and operate as a viable a financially viable organization but so many nonprofits struggle just to meet that that kind of net zero for their fiscal year, and so um, for you to 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 generate um, successful financial gains each year, even considering uh, a, a worldwide pandemic, I think that's really impressive and very admirable. Um, your work clearly speaks for itself. Well, the uh, again the team. Uh, when when this hit, when the governor said in March, I think it was about March 13th, 2020, museums close your doors, yeah. I turned to the team and said, what are we going to do? And the look in their eye was not fear. It was, wow, now we get a chance to explore what we haven't been doing. And frankly, we've done it so well. One of the, one of the things that's going to come up in our strategic planning for the next three years is how do we balance the amount of online virtual content versus in person the one thing we haven't been successful in and i'll be very frank frank about this uh is monetizing the online content because people expect it for free um sponsors weren't really ready to move forward with it because frankly they didn't know where their next dollar was coming from during the pandemic so how to how to make that profitable um 
and again, not to sound mercenary, not to, but it is, frankly, if, if there's no money, there's no mission. No mission delivery without the cash. That's a great way to put it, right? Uh, making money does not compromise your mission, Mm-mm. right? It, in fact, it enhances. It allows you to continue to provide your service to your community. Yep. Um, I think that's a really important thing that you said. Uh, explore what we haven't been doing. Oftentimes, and our listenership for this show is small business owners, um, nonprofit managers, local band leaders, you know, things like that, right? And uh, really people who are trying to figure out how to better position their projects in their community or to their target audience. And and often when you come up against adversity of some sort, um, whether it's financial, whether it's a pandemic, uh, whether it's it's a PR issue, right? Oftentimes you end up shutting down. Or, or getting stuck in a rut or, or not being able to push through. So when faced with adversity, taking the time to step back and explore what you haven't been doing, seeing those things as an opportunity, I think that's inherently fundamental to any good marketing strategy. Explore the things you haven't been doing yet. Take a look outside of your own box and see where you have room to grow. As long as it lines with your mission. Right. And... Every single one of our programs did. The, the the digital stuff that we did were virtual tours of exhibits. We did uh, did you know kind of trivia qu- trivia quizzes. Uh, we did things that were absolutely spot on mission. Uh, and and as I said, not only did we reach um, a boatload of people that we would have never before, uh, they're from all over the the world. Oh my gosh! When I was looking at the numbers from China, why is China looking at Lynn County for heaven's sakes? But they are <laughs> um, Prague. I mean, we were having our, our people chiming in from Prague for heaven's sakes. They are really digging what we're doing right now. We're going to talk more about that after our mid-roll sponsor break. So let's hop out to them. Let's hear what's going on, and uh, when we come back. We're going to continue talking with Jason Wright and Tara Templeman from the History Center here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And I'm going to challenge you on a couple of questions. Maybe you can think about this during the break. I want to talk a lot about what you said about devaluing what you offer, because I think that's a really interesting point as well. Um, I may ask you some personal questions uh, for my own benefit as well. And uh, also, let's take a little bit of a, a look at at how you showed it. You had to prove to the community what the History Center was going to do, what it was all about, um, and you had to show it. Let's dive into that a little bit more as well. We'll talk about events. We'll talk about some programming, and, uh, and we'll be back talking about all that and more in just a moment. Friends with Marketing Benefits is brought to you by... I'm Jason Alberti. And I'm Lindsay Prince. I am a dad of two boys, a comedy writer, and I love medieval literature. I'm the mom of two girls, a comedy writer, and I love TikTok. Hey, we've got a new podcast. And it's called What Do You Want to Talk About? We talk about everything from almond milk lattes to xenophobia. New episodes every Monday. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What Do You Want to Talk About is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more information, you can visit laspodcastnetwork.com. Hey, Lindsay, did I tell you the story about Scarpe the Njalsson when he was in Iceland and he was dying because he was under this log on fire and he pulls out this molar and he whips it into Thurl Thurlson's eye? No, I don't understand most of what you just said. Oh. Oh, Jason, did I tell you that Billy Eilish got bangs? What's a Billy Eyelash? (laughs) 
I'm Alex Schulte. And I'm Jake Trumper. And this is the promo for our brand new podcast, One Word Stories, where we take one word, like fear, that's kind of dark, or spaghetti. Well, I don't know if we're going to do an entire episode about spaghetti. Are you hooked yet? I hope so. Whoa. I just noticed that we keep speaking in unison. How do we stop? Oh, wow. It's still happening. Okay, what just happened? I don't know. It's like we've been spending way too much time together and we're starting to finish each other's... I quit. What? I just don't get it. What's not to get? So I just get one word and talk about it? Who cares? I care. Give me a word. Middle school. That's two words. You get the gist. Okay, one time in middle school, a girl hid in the bathroom during the school dance specifically so I wouldn't have to ask her to dance with me. Okay, I'm starting to understand why you didn't want to do this. One Word Stories. We're a brand new podcast distributed by the LAS Podcast Network in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. New episodes every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you can find your podcasts. Okay, okay I, I think that, that was, was a good take. take. Wait, Wait, no. Why does this keep happening? LAS. Welcome on back to Friends with Marketing Benefits. I'm one of your hosts, Logan Adam Schultz. Joining me as the other co-host today, Alex Schulte. Hey. Hi. And we're sitting across from two lovely members of our community and some of our friends with marketing benefits, Jason Wright <laughs> and Tara Templeman from the History Center. Hello. Hello again. Hello again. So uh, in the first half of the show, you told the story of the History Center's um, PR problem, uh, growing and establishing itself as a, a new organization and, and really proving its benefit to the community. And one thing that you mentioned that I really wanted to dive into was how in the past the organization had a, a problem with devaluing what it had to offer. It was offering free admission. It was offering free programs. And, and your comment was that that devalued what was offered. And now that you've added... Uh, a ticket price and and real value to those programs established spoken value that you're seeing more return the there was a movement in the early aughts in the early 2000s with many museums that they were it, uh, uh, I'm trying to use a word that isn't socialism um that these that <laughs> that that they were they're public they're public organizations, so they should be free to public, and that we should remove all financial barriers and physical barriers um, that could prevent anybody from enjoying the mission they delivered. And they thought that th- they, being the museum community, many thought that this would uh, help what they would lose in in ticket revenue, in um, sponsor revenue, would be brought in by donations, people feeling good about making this free to the public. And the model uh, made a lot of sense. And I can't even tell you how many organizations did this, but I can tell you that I went to a conference of the American Association of Museums in D.C. Who was that? Uh, That just spoke. Oh, uh, he was cool. Oh, so, uh, uh, that, that, that was my other. That was one of the voices in my head. The other one sounds a lot like my like my wife, though. Um, uh, uh, and in in this conference, I went to one of the sessions that was about getting your museum to start charging again, and what are some of the public relations issues. This room was packed. This room was over full. I looked back. I actually got a seat. Because I'm old and they gave me one. And they gave me, uh, and, and I look back and standing room only. So this many. Is an mu- industry wide problem. To industry absolutely wide. Because 
as soon as they said, come in, things are free, people said, well, if it's free, I'll do it some other time. Right. I can, mm. you know, I'm going to, now that I have my $7 in my pocket, I'm going to go to this other organization. I'm going to do this other thing. I'm going to go play putt-putt, whatever, because I can always go to that museum. And they never showed up. Uh, programmatic-wise, the same thing happened industry-wise. Make it free, and people would say, oh, well, then it really isn't probably any good. What was even weirder was that when I first got to this organization and I was talking to some board members, they had this overdeveloped Iowa, oh, I'm not that great, uh, you know, it's not that important, I'm not that important what we're doing, we're just this little historical. They had this devalued sense of the organization. Yeah. Which absolutely, that was internal. And that's when I came up with the phrase, leap out of the gate. We can't just kind of stumble out of the gate. Um, when I was first here, we had a couple programs that needed a complete redo. And we did it. We completely reworked them so that they were better than, oh, well, it's just whatever the History Center can kind of slap together. We did amazing things after that. Uh, and it was, for us, we were lucky compared to some other organizations that were used to charging nothing, suddenly having to charge for their, and then the, the community would scream, how horrible, now we have to pay for this? Well, you never showed up anyway, so it's not going to bother you. Uh, but there's a public perception there, and as you know, perception is nine-tenths of the issue. Right. We didn't have that issue. We closed our doors because we sold the building. And when we opened the building, we made it patently clear that um, members get in free. Oh, wow. So suddenly membership has benefit again. How cool is that? Our membership skyrocketed some 400-something percent. Wow. Yeah. Because people wanted to come in and see this extraordinary new building. Not new, 120-year-old, renovated, <laughs> rehabilitated building. Right. Um, and we started charging for our programs. And people showed up. It was crazy. <laughs> I can still remember our first Oral Histories Live uh, where we stole or we appropriated a model from the old um, um, program with uh, James Lipton inside the actor studio. Right. Oh, yeah. Rather yeah. than doing an, an oral history one-on-one -on -one in a little booth, we put these leaders of Lynn County in front of an audience and a professional interviewer and recorded them just like that show. It was wall-to-wall, -wall, sold out. If we had charged nothing for it, nobody would have showed up, and I believe that in my heart. Right. So we, were, we had it easy because we had changed that one thing, which was everything. You got to pay to get in, <laughs> right. and people did. And what was even better was when I would take polls at the beginning of some of these, I would say, how many of you are members? And the hands were few at first. Then they became more and more because people appreciated what we were doing. So suddenly our membership is up 400-something percent, and which meant that once they were members, then we could start sending them solicitations for year-end gifts. And suddenly those little year-end gifts started popping up. Now we've got a giving circle of people that give $1,000 or more uh, every year that have a commitment to what we're doing. And this giving circle is 36 members, and they bring in approximately sixty to $80,000. New revenue we would have never been able to do if we had stayed in that same old model. So did I, did I sidestep that question? No, well I think in? you answered it perfectly. And I, I, I kind of teased that I had a personal question for you that I wanted to I'll run past you. It's that Alex and I have started a podcast network. And you talked a bit about how 
throughout the pandemic, um, you started offering some online, some digital, some video content, um, but I had a difficult time monetizing that because people expected it to be free. Mm -hmm. People expect podcasts to be free. Yep. Uh, there are millions and millions and millions of podcasts. It's a great, very powerful, and very popular medium, but it's a very accessible medium, uh, all things considered. Mm -hmm. And people expect podcasts to be free. But we need to somehow create a viable business, a viable platform that not only supports the amount of time and effort that we're putting into this because we believe in it, we believe in the mission that we've chosen, we believe in the benefits to the community, but also we have community creators that are coming on board every single week and creating shows, creating art, creating content for this community. And so one thing that we're trying to navigate, and we're still fairly young, we're not 50 years in, we're well, one month in. Uh, <laughs> well, we're different. only about two years in if you think about it. But, sure, but that's go ahead. True. That's true. Good point. Um, but we're trying to figure out how do we appropriately value what we have to offer, and so this conversation is something that's at the forefront of my mind right now as we try to create something for our community. I'm not sure where the question is in there, I guess. Oh, well, I've already but got an answer, so you don't even have to ask it. Perfect. Because um, I have an answer for everything, and you get what you pay for, so it is free and valueless. No. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, my heart. The first thing that I would do, and we have found this to be extraordinarily successful, Um we have something called our, our, we call it an entrepreneurial gallery. We believe that, that Lynn County is the second largest community and as vibrant as it is because of the entrepreneurial spirit. Look at it. Trampoline invented here. The, uh, the, the Turner microphone invented here. Uh, the LAS program invented here. You know what I'm talking about, right? Right. And we love telling these entrepreneurial stories. Absolutely adore them. Uh, for example, Shive Hattery. You know them. They're an engineering firm here of in course, town. Of course, yeah. Nationwide. Great cans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just extraordinary impact. Did you know, do you want to take the story of how they started? Well, this was before I got here. Oh, tell sorry. The story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, it was before we all got here because it was 1860. I feel like, for the record... Isn't everything you know from before? <laughs> the exhibit that we did existed? in our entrepreneurial gallery was before I joined the staff of the History Center. Gotcha. So I was not involved gotcha. in the telling of that story. Really quick side being, note, though. I'm just being tongue-in-cheek. You did tell some of the stories that Jason already mentioned, like the trampoline being invented here, you already told on another podcast Yes, uh, as part of LAS History yeah. Week. So L Liam Neeson. <laughs> Close. Nice, nice no. try. Jo George Nissen, right? Correct. Yeah, oh, my it. gosh. Yes, I knew it. You I haven't just, killed all of those I brain cells yet, have you? remembered the joke as well. <laughs> no, they're all still in there. <laughs> getting them in there one Dasani water bottle at a time. Um, so check out some of those other episodes because Tara... Not a sponsor, Dasani. Uh, correct. <laughs> Sorry. So, um, but anyway, yes. So just, just did you know that, that in 1860 there were these two surveyors that were stumbling across this area and they saw that there was a town starting to be built that was known as Cedar Rapids. They took a look and the uh, slaughterhouses were conveniently put right next to the hotel, which is right on the other side was a, was a, was a church, uh, the warehousing. There was no planning being done. Was it your primary needs all right there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so they were the ones that plotted entire town. 
of where the warehousing would be, where the manufacturing would be, where the cemeteries would be, where the where the hotels in the downtown district would be for retail. They planned that. As a matter of fact, they were the brilliant folks that decided that because of stories they were hearing in New York where they were physically picking up the buildings in 1860 and moving them apart so that they could actually get more than one horse carriage down the road, that we should make what is now known as First Avenue. I think it was called Iowa Avenue at that point. That's correct. That's the reason it's always been that wide. Second Avenue has always been that wide because they never wanted to have to move buildings. That's the Shive Hattery story, and it even is, gets even more cool as you tell the story. So I was talking to our friend Greg Cans, who sent me a text it was a, or an, an email. He said, uh, we're moving our offices. We have this closet of crap. Do you want it? And it, what he calls crap, we call... Artifacts. <laughs> <laughs> and That's so, hilarious. And so uh, <laughs> I got to talking to him and the leadership there, and we said, may we tell your story? And they said, we would love it if you would tell our story. Suddenly, Of course, who would turn that down? And so they provided us with the, the kind of money we needed to produce that as a sponsor, their story. And then we also provided them with a, with a virtual version of it. And that when we were done with the display panels, they got those too to put in their closet of crap. Um, uh, <laughs> Artifacts. But do you see where that model leads for you guys? Absolutely. I think that, you know, the way that I've always viewed it is LAS History Week, presented by the History Center, is a great proof of concept for something, that a benefit that we can create and share and what we can share with the community, how we can partner with um, fantastic organizations and businesses in the area. Um, we're very excited to be doing this project. But I, I think that what we have to offer is of value, and we need to then take it a step further and figure out how we we showcase and assign some value to that. I think that's an important lesson for the listeners of this show to be considering because I, especially kind of, as you said, in Iowa and in the Midwest, there's sometimes this inherent feeling of naturally devaluing yourself. Mm -hmm. I think that, that I feel that's somewhat common um, amongst people that I know in this community. It's, it's, it is the Midwestern way and, and it is our culture and it is, we are, we are a humble culture. We heard about this after the flood of 2008. At least I did. Uh, right about that time, there was the, the hurricane down in Texas. Um, starts with an A, I think. I can't remember which what hurricane that was. I, oh, my gosh. I'm getting old. Anyway, regardless. The only hurricane I think of down there is Katrina. Right. Yeah, or, it was Katrina. Uh, it was Katrina. Yep. Okay. That time. Yep. yep. Oh, Thank okay. you. Thank you. So... Those FEMA workers and some of the other workers were coming up from up from uh, Katrina to help with our flood. And I heard and this and I was with another organization at that time and they were and I was working in that neighborhood, uh, the the um, of Czech Village kind of area. And I was having lunch with some FEMA guys and they said, This is such a different deal. When we were down when we went down to Katrina, people were waiting for us for help. We needed, they needed our help. Here, you got 87-year-old guys up on ladders helping their neighbor who's 93 right. dealing with stuff. And when we went to say, we're here to help, they say, no, the old guy down the street needs the real help. I mean, that's the kind of we're, we don't like to ask for help. We don't like to blow our own horn. We don't like, as a matter of fact, our public relations issued this community with the flood with the derecho 
we didn't like to blow our own horn. People have forgotten about it. Yet, as soon as you say the word Katrina, you don't think about your friend Katrina. You think about the hurricane. Right. Yeah. yeah. We don't. We, we aren't like that, and that's not our culture. So that is part of that whole. You know, we're we're you know we're you know go. Don't look at us. We're we're from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And I also to 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 go back to a point. I think there was a time. There has been a. a regularity of creatives in the area accepting work for exposure right or or just to make that connection so um to to your point of of a lot of iowans specifically devaluing themselves in in entrepreneurship and music and acting whatever you want to say um the communities had definitely gotten used to that and there's there there should be and I hope what we're, we're all doing together kind of is shifting that vision locally that people that do have these very specific skill sets that aren't necessarily going to put you in a day job from nine to five, that does have value, you know? We've talked a lot on the show um, kind of as a unique, a little out-of-the-box example of um, um, business and marketing as Alex's band running mm-hmm. a place, right? A local band is a business, right? You are providing a service. You put a lot of time and energy into creating a product that you can take out and you need to market that and you need to value that. And our local music scene does sometimes struggle with valuing live music. And uh, we've had you know this discussion before. I'm happy to have it again. But uh, that's something that very easily is identified as, as perhaps devalued is live music and, and music in general and, and live musicians. And I'm not trying to shift the conversation necessarily to music and musicians, but just, as an example, but absolutely. It is a great example, but to, to tie that into the history center, it, it does seem like once you figure out, yes, this is worth something. I am worth something. It might take a little bit of time, but the community will eventually, uh, there's, I've, be on I've, the same page as you. I've been thrown out of every self-respecting town in this in this in this country. I think, um, and so I have worked as a gigging musician. Yeah, my, my whole life. You're a fantastic pianist. You're you're very 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 kind. Um, I um, and the ghosts love it. <laughs> and the ghosts in the building do love it. Um, the fact of the matter is, is in cities of this size, and this is mostly the the size cities in which I've lived. Um, this is the, the you hear this from from that uh, that sector that um, it's devalued and so many players say yeah I'm going to play this just for the for the exposure and you're right until you start valuing yourself you know I I have a rule I do not walk out the door with my keyboard without X number of dollars in my hand yeah and I am now having to turn down work I am overworked because I am no longer saying oh yeah I'll go play this gig for free. People know I got chops, and I am starting to get that work. And it and it, it is difficult, but you cannot devalue what you do. And I recommend that to everybody that's listening right now. You have value. What you bring to your organization, what you bring to your band, what what you do for your passion in life, you bring value. And for heaven's sakes, don't be afraid to say, this is what I'm worth, and, and do not do not compromise. History Center did not. And it's not we're, like we're charging $120 to get into our building. No. But that's a $75 price ticket on our um, uh, lawn party, the, 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 the yes, speakeasy, speakeasy lawn party. Because we know, as, as you so well stated, that 
for 75 bucks, that's a meal, booze, entertainment, a whole evening of activity. You'd spend that anywhere else. Right. So do not devalue what you do. Right. Absolutely. Put the price sticker on that of what you do and stick with it. And because if it is your passion, if it is what you really want to be doing, people will pay it. Can I get historical for a minute with that? Oh, please do. I would love to throw it to Grant Wood because I think that's his story as well. And I think that uh, Midwest culture of not necessarily valuing what he was creating early on in his career was his truth as well. Um, He sold his paintings for less than $10 a piece. Sometimes he would give them away. And when he started his friendship and his partnership with the Turners, they really tried to get it into his head that his artwork was worth a lot more than that. They started purchasing his pieces and hanging them up. They started encouraging him um, through free studio space so that he wouldn't have to be an art teacher in a local school and he could spend all of his time and energy creating artwork. And I think without the financial support of the community and the emotional support of really showing Grant Wood that he was worth it and he could charge more for his artwork, I don't know that Grant Wood ever would have been a really successful artist. I think he would have been an art teacher at a local school, and I think he would have made some cool impressionist art, but I don't think he ever would have fully leaned into his regional artwork and become Grant Wood as we know him today. So I think he had to go through that phase in life of learning to value his own work and that wouldn't have happened without that financial support from the community. I love that our entire theme of this episode clearly just got grounded in a great historical story that everyone in this community can relate to. Uh, yeah, Tara has proved it once again. <laughs> she is is the queen of it. Um, um, but that that he worked at McKinley Middle School is is my understanding Grant Wood did he worked at a couple of the schools but yes oh he did work at a few of the schools mm-hmm. did he work at Grant Wood was that <laughs> <laughs> Pre- doesn't that feel like a no brainer preeminent <laughs> yeah he just painted out the other name and just put his own name up there that was it well it's that's how history Grant gets told Wood. hey you might as well hire me guys it's my name's on the building already <laughs> well clearly you've seen a return on valuing the History Center and what you have to provide to offer. Um, Memberships have increased. That's fantastic. You're producing great events that get you outside of the box. You found some great local partners, such as LAS Podcast Network, to uh, reach some new audiences as well. So we're so grateful that you would choose us as a partner to come on this show and all of our shows as part of the History Center Presents LAS History Week. This, I guess, no, this is the last episode that will that will air from LAS History Week because this show goes up on Thursdays. This show goes up on Tuesdays. This show goes up on Tuesdays. <laughs> ah! <laughs> so... <laughs> more coffee for Alex. Oh, more. Oh, boy. But it is um, the last one we're recording. It has been a, an amazing week having you both on all of our shows. Um, um, you have made me feel more legitimate in this field by by just uh, agreeing to partner with us on on doing this week you know because th- obviously there's a lot of self-doubt that goes into starting a, a project of course you know um and and grant wood lucky enough to to have someone else grab him by the collar and say you're worth it you know mm-hmm. um and and sometimes i think we all just we need somebody else's validation and somebody to tell you this is ha- this is working this is you're doing something right here um because as much as we preach it should come from within you need to have self-worth you need to know you know what what, what you're worth 
it doesn't always, you know, as, as hard as you try. Sometimes, sometimes it does take someone else seeing it within you. So um, to that point with Grant Wood, uh, having you say yes to this with us is, is very validating and it's so motivational to, to keep going on to the next project and keep partnering with awesome local businesses. So thank you so much. It's, go ahead, please. I was just going to say, and listener, um, if you're hearing this, please consider this episode Alex and I and Jason and Tara reaching through your headphones or your car speakers and grabbing you by the collar and saying, you're worth it. You, you are. have value. You have value. Know that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jason, Tara, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having and, and featuring the History Center this week. Of course. Uh, check out those other episodes of the LAS Podcast Network. And, of course, consider stopping by the History Center this coming weekend. Perfect. Well done, Alex. For um, your Speakeasy Lawn Party and the Root Beer Festival, um, both of which promise to be fantastic events. There's a new exhibit as well that's all about prohibition um, that that Root Beer Festival ties into. Um, so check all that out because the History Center has great things going on. Absolutely. HistoryCenter.org for all the detail. Perfect. Speaking of websites, the LAS Podcast Network produces and presents this very show. And you can find more about that at LASPodcastNetwork.com. If you're interested in supporting our little independent network, head to Patreon.com slash LASPodcastNetwork where you can get bonus shows, bonus content, behind the scenes uh, stuff and more. So check that out. Friends with Marketing Benefits releases every Tuesday, not Thursdays. Yeah. <laughs> on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. I think that about does it for us. Again, History Center, go check them out. We love you both very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you.